Hey everyone, welcome back to the Broken Record Podcast with Layla. Actually, I've interviewed him a couple times, but I've never actually interviewed him as anything other than an entertainer. Actor, etc, etc. Mm-hmm. Industry guard. Sorry guys, I was actually choking. <laughs> we hadn't heard from you in years. Mm-hmm. She calls herself a professional Vanessa. We'll find out what that means. <laughs> Welcome to the Broken Record Podcast. My name is Layla Johnson Salami. You're going to enjoy this. Everyone, welcome back to the Broken Record Podcast. This is Leila Johnson Salami, and I'm so excited today because, 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 because Adeolu Adifarasi is on my podcast from actor to pastor in the space of God knows how long. We're still, we're still an actor, but yeah. And still yeah. a pastor. Still an actor, you know. still a pastor. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Because we've had so many conversations about how you feel towards Christianity. Um, you know more than most people do that. I only found the gospel in less recent years of my life, probably in the last year and a half, yeah. two years. And you've been a support system to me. So seeing you coming out and saying, now I am ordained as a pastor is one of the best feelings I feel I've had in the past year. Wow. Okay. So what does being a pastor now entail? So see, th- honestly, so the day that I got ordained, I flew out the country and I feel like it was kind of good timing. So I was out of the country for about 10 days, took time to kind of think about it, like what actually has to change? Because I believe that for me, um, I've been in ministry anyway, like I'm trying to live a life that ministers and that, that for me is what it's about. I'm not, there's nothing that has specifically changed for me in the mm. course of the last like two weeks, three weeks since I got ordained. For me, it's about the fact that I'm living a life that um, represents the values that I have as a Christian, that I am able to do what it is I do anyway. I'm an actor and all of that, but I'm still at the same time showing people that, look, you can, you can be an actor, you can love God. What are but, those values that you have as a Christian? Well, so there are a lot of values. But um, for me, I think at the end of the day, the bottom line and the core of this thing is love and that is something that the church has failed to do for so long we have failed so long to show people honest love we have gone so caught up in the idea of like law and if you're not doing this you're wrong and you know one of the big things and i know that we'll talk about it at some point in this conversation is we start to like give degrees to certain kinds of sin like I go around and I, you know, cheat and commit fornication, but it's not as bad as you who are gay. Like, look, when the Bible talks, if you want to go back and you want to look at the law side of things, the Bible says that um, if you commit all of, if you keep all of my, all of my law, you get all of my blessings. If you don't keep all of my law, you get all of my curses. If you commit one sin, doesn't matter which one, did not tell you which one was right, which one was wrong. And that covenant was not a covenant that God had with everybody. It was a covenant he had with the Jew, with the Jews in the, back then. And the reason for it was not so that, the reason the Bible says that law was made so that sin might abound. It was actually created so that people would sin and would acknowledge their sin. But the covenant we're under is different. The covenant we're under is the one that he made with Jesus, yeah. where he said, Jesus goes, keeps all my law, keeps all my... And then you get all my blessings because you have, you have faith and believe in him. You see, this is... Let me tell you, because Adeolu, you know my story. You also know my story through Christianity and my story through faith. And for me, it's, it's a bit more simplified than that. And I, I 100% appreciate and respect your elaboration of it because I know you're someone that thinks right. Do you get what I'm saying? I know that you don't see Christianity from a flawed 1800, 1700, 
kind of mindset. I know that you see Christianity as what it is because you even just said now that the underlying message is love. It is. Now, for me, for me, Christianity is Jesus Christ. For me, it's okay. Whether this person ever existed in our history or didn't exist, who was this person? What did this person stand for? This is that person. This is a person that I aspire to be like. Therefore, I will follow in the footsteps and the footpath and the pavements of this person. That person is Jesus Christ, right? And I find it so problematic when we take man-ridden words, i.e., quote-unquote, holy scripture, the Bible, to try and define everything that person stood for. The New Testament speaks about Jesus a lot, what Jesus did, everything Jesus stood for, the kind of things Jesus went about different towns and communities doing. But does that take anything away from the Old Testament? No, and the Old Testament still exists where people are oppressed. People of different backgrounds and tribes and religions are oppressed for not being a particular way. And it makes me come to one conclusion. And that one conclusion is that the Bible is a man-written book that we call a holy scripture. But what are we really and truly taking from Christianity? So, And I only ever want to take from Jesus Christ. So this is my perspective on that. Is that, like I said, the perspective changes and things shifted when Jesus came into the picture. And that's the purpose of it. And I think there's, there's a holistic way to look at the Bible. When you look at the Old Testament, there was law. And there were, God brought law and said that these are my commandments, keep them. And it was so that man can see that without him you can do nothing. Because man concentrates on trying to keep these laws and kept on failing. Now when Jesus came, he gave you the ability to realize that, look, you could not keep these laws by yourself. I sent one who is able and capable of keeping those laws. I changed the covenant so yes the old testament still exists but the new testament is what is gives a holistic picture of what that was meant to be like and what it was actually meant to do and the idea that like look so Jesus wait wait, wait. Is old testament is what it is new testament is what new it should is, be like it, look what it is is that okay so what jesus came and he said step in the club say jesus christ all right, we'll turn it down. Um, but like, so it the up. idea was that, like, you know, <laughs> Jesus came and he changed the perspective that people look for because we mm. got so concentrated on law that we started to judge people. And it was never meant to be about mm. that. It was mm. never meant to be about that. The heart of it was always and is always love. Yeah. The person that we are meant to look at is Jesus Christ. What is it that he did? What is it that he, what were his values? What is it that he lived like? And the core thing when it comes to Jesus Christ was love. Like you talked about um, earlier, you talk about when, you know, they wanted to stone um, the woman for fornication. First of the, the starts question becomes, who was she having sex with? And why she didn't want to, you need to stone? Yes, they caught her in the act, but they caught her in the act with somebody. Why is the guy not there being vilified? Mm. So, we go there, we decide to say, okay, the woman needs to be judged because she has done this thing wrong. This is fair. You want to look at the law that the Bible says that it was wrong, but then so did the guy. So why aren't you bringing him and saying, let's stone him too? Right? He was probably even amongst them saying that she was, she was caught in the act. And then Jesus says, he, Jesus says, I'm going to lead with love. And he treats out of love and he condemns the men and says, look, he is without sin, cast the first stone. None of them had the capacity to do that. Hmm. 
And then he goes, and when he has finished showing love and he has led with love, he says, go and sin no more. And I think that is the thing. The heart of it is that, look, we are trying to be better people, but you lead with love. You do not teach people. You do not teach people love by condemning them. Mm. You do not teach people how to be better. You do not show people or embrace people. You scare people away by telling them you are not capable of this thing. You keep on doing this thing wrong. Mm. You can't be like me. When at the end of the day, all of us, aside from Jesus, have committed sin. And so we keep on trying to elevate ourselves like we're better and it does not do any justification. And it's why the younger generation is so, dis- is so disenfranchised by the church is because there's so many men in church who have committed sin, who are going in the wrong mindset and are trying to pretend that they are fine. But this is exactly where my issue lies. And this is where I can start to resonate with what you're saying because they say I was born Christian, but as far as I'm concerned, I wasn't born Christian. I, I got baptized at the age of 12. And I got baptized out of choice. And that choice of me saying to my mom, the mom, I think I want to get baptized now. Like, I think I actually just want to be an Anglican. I want to be a Christian. And years later, I realized that dom- denominations don't even exist in Christianity, exactly. right? That's when you go deeper into the Bible and you're like, wait, what? These people are argue- actually arguing that, no, I'm a Roman Catholic. No, I'm a Protestant. No, I'm a this and a that. Yeah. And you're like, do we, do we know what we're saying here? Christianity is Christianity. And the Bible even tells you it's stated one in scripture faith. that denominations, thank you, denominations don't exist. There is one faith. So as human beings, we've created all these denominations that have become dysfunctional that I'm just kind of like, why doesn't the average Christian today just be like, okay, yeah, I'm a Christian because I choose to try and follow in the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean say I'm going to be perfect. So I'm not going to get everything right. But Jesus Christ was this being, and that is my aspiration. Why does it have to be a thing of scripture? Because I feel like we're making it more about man-made words than the word of God. I think there's a two-fold sense to it, and the two people, two sets of people are to blame. Mm-hmm. So like people that are religious leaders have a set of blame because yes, they say that they want to, they want to, and I believe that a lot of people have the mm-hmm. honest desire um, to guide people in the right path. But people are so caught up in self where they believe I have to be mm-hmm. the person doing it. And therefore, they don't want to sometimes speak the 100% truth because it relinquishes a level of control for themselves. And we need to take that control away mm-hmm. from their hands. And then on the other side of things, the people need to become more dependent on God than they are on people, more, indi- um, more independent, more desiring of a personal relationship with God than being in a position where they feel like this guy knows the answer, let me go to him for the answer, and depending so much on man for the answer. We do need you to, think that that's... It's a, two, it's a two-pronged thing. Do um, you think that you, you chose that for yourself? You chose to become more dependent on God? You chose to focus on that route? And I'm asking this because the Adifarasi name is a household name in the majority of Christian households in Nigeria today. You come from a Christian background. Was this something you chose? It was. And I'll tell you why, because it's funny, because when I go ordained, of course, you go, you go to different pages. And I definitely saw and I expected the comments Mm -hmm. of people be like, "Okay, this is just, you know, a family business or whatever. Um, but what I, what, one thing I say is that the, the time that I personally started getting closest to God was actually when I started getting further away from my family mm. because it got to a position where I was no longer in a position where I was dependent on my parents' relationship with God, where I needed, I wanted something for myself and I needed mm. to know who he was by myself. And it happened, you know, I had, I'd gone through a few, um, some trauma and stuff and I lost the vision in my eye for a little bit. And I started realizing I was depending so much on my parents' relationship with God. I didn't actually know him for myself. So when I moved to the States, I started trying to 
to actually develop some level of understanding. And then also when it comes to ministry, what people will say and what people's perspective will be is crazy. But I've been in this process for maybe three, four years, and I never had a single conversation with my dad about ministry. He never spoke to me about it until I spoke to him. Mm -hmm. Because as much as he might have felt like I had a call, he never wanted it to feel like pressure. It was never going to be that. It was until the day that I went to him that it even became a conversation we spoke about. Are you happy you made that decision? I am. I, I think that I am called to it. Now, the question mm-hmm. is, how is it going to look? What is it meant to be like? Forget how it I'm looks. How does out. it make you feel, Adeolu? What is it meant to be like? What is the purpose of it? And when I say, how is it going to look? What is, what is that core meant to be? Um, but I believe that I'm doing what I'm called to do. And even if I was not ordained a pastor, I feel like I'm living a life that is that. It is ministry for me. It is Everything is about showing love to people. It's about understanding and showing what it is that I believe I've learned. If you'd grown up in an atheist home, do you think you'd feel the same way? I cannot... I cannot answer that question. Um, I cannot say that I know 100% what would have happened. But what I do know is my revelation and understanding of God may have been pushed or started or understanding that God existed my that was your within my family, right? But my deeper rooted understanding and actually becoming a genuine Christian who actually had a relationship with God and understood that came that so came in and of God. Now that now that you're a pastor, the last <laughs> the last question I have for you because this is something that's of interest to me and also a huge audience um that I think we have here. Um you're a feminist. <laughs> I will back you and say a self-proclaimed feminist, <laughs> even though I basically had to proclaim your feminism. <laughs> but what does the Bible say when it comes to the equality of human beings? And how does Christianity support feminism today? Okay. So that's my last question. After this mic drop, we, we can't play drinking game, Abby. You can't we drink. Can, we can play drinking we game. We can play Why drinking no, game. Play drinking oh. game. Um, <laughs> I was hoping that because you're a pastor. She didn't want to drink. Um, oh my but god! For me, by the way, guys, my chair is back now. I daily was on the mic. I'm done. <laughs> um, yes, because Christ. We all talk about men that. submit to your wives as Christ loved the church, Look, and wives submit to your husbands. If the woman is better at something, I accept that you take the decisions on that thing. I'm like. Good leadership is able to so realize when you should submit yourself aside. and when you should when you should put yourself under. Yes. So when have you submitted yourself in your entire being and existence as Adeoluf Adifarasi? Just asking. Just just wondering. By the way, I, know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you? you know, when I put my, 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 my pride aside and having a conversation with you and realize that, okay, Leila Johnson might be right in this specific thing, so maybe I should be more vocal about accepting that I'm a feminist. That makes me happy. How's your career going? Good. I've got a film coming out in April. You should see. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be different. Um, I, you know, tried out a little bit of pigeon and that. Playing a houseboy is going to be interesting. Um, but yeah, it's called Coming From Insanity. It's a good film. You should check it out. It's a true life story, which is interesting, about um, a kid who gets um, trafficked from Togo to Nigeria by this family, is working for them, wants to get out of that kind of life and starts um, printing fake dollars and makes a lot of boatload of money from it. Are Police, you the kid? 
I'm his, I'm his good friend. I'm his best friend. <laughs> See, so accomplice. Accomplice. Adeolu, the accomplice. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, Adeolu, I think, I think your perspective is key. I do think your perspective is key, and I think it's one that a lot of young Nigerian Christians out there listening need to hear, and they need to know more about you. So I can only say thank you for coming and sharing your views. And I do hope we do this again. I do hope we speak more about Christianity. Um, I think it's so complex when it comes to Christianity because Christianity has conflicted itself, you know? And that's the thing. Like, we keep with so much division until people can come together and actually have genuine unity in what it is that this faith means and represents. We're all fighting against ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. But hopefully with more Adeolus <laughs> in the system, we will be able to change things. More Briggses as well. Of course, um, Briggs and I also caught up on this episode about being young and following Islam as a religion. So if you're out there, if you are following a religion then this episode is definitely for you and if you're out there and you're not following a religion but you want to learn more about young perspectives towards a particular religion then of course again this is for you but adeolu thank you thank you very much thank you all for tuning into the broken record podcast we're out here having fun like i always say do not take this shit personally um i do hope you found some insight though i mean if you're young and you're into religion then i definitely hope you found some insight because adeolu has a wealth of knowledge on what he's speaking about and of course briggs has a wealth of knowledge on it too so the two religions that we've spoken on on this episode uh float your boat then you definitely do want to keep on tuning in everyone welcome back to the broken record podcast with me Layla Johnson Salami and today I have one of my closest friends here on the podcast with me um we went to what are we university right yeah university. Yeah. <laughs> we went to university together um we both studied politics and IR that's where we met I did Arabic and IR are you serious? Yeah, I was just in your oh IO modules. Oh my God, yeah. it's true. That, <laughs> that is so true. I completely forgot. But yes, anyway, without further ado, I have... How do I introduce you? Because I was going to say Briggs, but then Briggs is not your full name. Yeah, Briggs is so just my surname. So do I say Mustafa Briggs? Mustafa Briggs is Okay, good. there we go. So I have Mustafa Briggs right here with me on the Broken Record podcast because he is leaving Lagos soon. So I said I have to catch him before he goes. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Tired. I just killed the catfish at City Farm, so... City Farm or Farm City? Farm City. <laughs> this is one how you them, know you IJGBs. <laughs> <laughs> no, Farm the fish City. is good, though. No, nah, the fish is... That's the, the best fish I've ever had. Yeah, that like, fish is quite mad. Yeah, yeah. It's quite mad. So I've got the itis right now, so I'm, like, struggling to stay awake. Food but, you coma. Know, food coma, oh, food God. coma. Them ones, well, I had a tuna salad for lunch, so I can't really say I've got a food coma, but... <laughs> Such is life. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. You're living like Living. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> sorry, I'm a bit sick at the moment, so I may have to keep on clearing my throat um, throughout this interview. But Briggs and I have a lot to discuss because I feel like 
if I, you know, like when people normally come on my podcast, I can be like, yeah, so I've got blah, blah, blah. He's an artist. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, how do I even describe you? Because you do so much that. Yeah, it's crazy. But I don't, I don't want to use the word influencer. Like. Nah, I'm you're, uh, like right now, I would say I'm a public speaker because that's yeah, what I've been doing for the past yeah. couple of months. And that's what I'll be doing like for 2019, essentially. Mm. Um, I'm not an influencer, but like, yeah, I chill with some influencers and we do stuff. Yeah. But um, essentially, the main things that I've been doing since so I did, obviously, we went to university together. Mm. Then I graduated and I was kind of looking for stuff to do, thinking about it. I started my master's in translation. And like anybody that knows me knows I have like a strong interest in Arabic and mm. history and different things. So I was studying translation. I did my, started my MA translation and I started mm. translating texts and stuff. Mm. And then I started getting invited to like panel sessions to talk about different like black history in Islam or history of Islam in Africa, all of these mm. different kind of topics. And then it got to a stage where I was doing so many panel sessions, Black History Month came and I said, let me just do my own university tour, like my own lecture series. And so I got booked at 20 universities, including like Oxford, Cambridge, UCL, SOAS and all of those. Mm. So I just finished that. And then you know how it is, like once you do something, it keeps on going. So then from that, I got booked to do a talk here in Lagos. So Mm. that's why I'm here. I'm in town. I'm doing that on Sunday. Then I'm going to do, I've been booked at three universities in Canada, mm. then I'm going to Detroit, then I'm going to Ohio, then Jamaica in the summer, and then Harvard in September. Mm. So it's like, yeah, that's what I'm doing now. Plus, yeah, me and my boys, so like my cousins here, yeah. Mumudu, and a few others, like there's um, Khalid Siddiqui, he's like a, a musician, mm. and his brother Omi, and like a few of us, we have like a podcast where we discuss mm. issues like facing young, kind of young Muslims, like in the mm. West, essentially, but from a non, kind of a non-religious perspective, it's weird, it's like, mm. We're Muslim and we're spiritual and we practice our religion, but we're not like preachy or we're not like trying to force everyone to be. It's just literally what we face being young and being Muslim in the West. So we just discuss issues that people are not really kind of free to talk about or people are afraid to talk about. Interesting, interesting, because I I actually watched a TEDx talk recently with this woman called Samina Ali. And she's a Muslim woman living in America. And I'm going to get into what she said with you in a bit, because, I mean, essentially, that's why I wanted you on my podcast. Mm. I feel like there's so much to discuss when it comes to Islam. And I feel like there's so many misconstrued conceptions that people have. But at the end of the day, the word is the word, right? So how many of those misconceptions are proven by the word? close to none right Mm, and mm, i feel mm. like it's one of those things where people just because people don't take time out to actually learn something for themselves or actually discover the truth for themselves people are left with the most flawed impressions of certain things and then i see how much you do for young muslims and i'm like if we could have that energy spread across so many different realms the world would genuinely be a better place but before we get into all of that, because that's going to be a very deep combo, uh-huh. we are going okay. to discuss the fact that <laughs> <laughs> we are going to discuss the fact that, you know what, yeah, Briggs popped up out of nowhere as a married man one day. Like, that is the only way to put it. He literally popped up out of nowhere as a married man, as in... One day I saw Briggs as the Briggs I know. The next day I'm seeing a wife on social media and I'm like, huh? I am like, you did not come to me for approval. <laughs> but congratulations. Thank you, Honestly, thank you, thank congratulations. You. And you guys look 
so cute together and you seem very very happy yeah. but i need the ins and outs Bit. what happened why how did i not even know you had a girlfriend it was like it literally everything happened quickly mm. like everything happened super fast we started talking over the summer and then around september we were just talking one day and then like she, we were just like what is it she was essentially we were just talking about why we were both single up until this point and then we we're discussing and da 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 and then in the end we just were like we match each other like let's just get married and see how it goes it was literally like that it was literally like let's get married and if you, it works it works if it doesn't word. work it's not <laughs> you literally said let's get married and see how it goes Briggs if all of us jumped up <laughs> trust me I know how like I no, look but, at some guys I could say that too and I know my life will come to an end in that marriage so <laughs> it's not but it depends on how you approach marriage and then also mm. like as Muslims or mm. the way culturally like different mm. cultures have different ways that they mm. that they kind of approach marriage but essentially if you're looking at just like the word as in how you're supposed to get married as a Muslim mm. it's simple it's literally two witnesses a gift for the bride dowry or whatever bride price whatever and then the permission of her dad and then you guys are married like it's a simple thing so it was like and divorce as well it's just as simple you just tell the person i've divorced you and you're divorced so it's like it's more of a committed relationship in terms of a marriage and how we have constructed marriage Okay, so you're not married under law. No, I'm not married legally married. Like I didn't. We're just religiously married. Oh. So like we're yeah we're committed to each other. We're serious partners. Like we're and even in Arabic, like or even in mm. in in Islam, the word for what we translate as marriage is awaj, literally just means partnership. Mm. So it's like you choose a partner. You see if you're gonna settle with that partner forever, or if you're gonna if you're gonna oh, wow. part ways. It's like dating, but without actually. Do you know what I mean? All right. Well, this you is know, new news to keep me. It, keep it halal and all of that. Fair but, yeah. enough. Fair enough. But wow. it's, it's going well. I'm going to stay. <laughs> <laughs> See, if divorce was literally that easy for everyone, and if everyone could literally just say, I'm divorced or we're getting divorced, I wonder what divorce rates would be. Because they're already so high. So imagine But our divorce rates, I mean, do you feel like the attitude we have towards marriage is practical? The attitude we have towards marriage. Especially Do here I in Nigeria. <laughs> Especially here in Nigeria, the attitude that we have towards um, marriage is very impractical. Um, I, I feel like a lot of Nigerian marriages stem from so many social conditions mm. and we need to break those down. For example, young women are genuinely, a vast majority of young women are genuinely conditioned to believe that their validation through their womanhood is through a man right mm. so a lot of young women have a certain level of eagerness to get married right and then there are a lot of nigerian men who marry for the wrong reasons personally from my encounters with married nigerian men uh, no i have never done anything with uh -huh. a married man but they've attempted they've attempted of right and i i always feel like married married men seem to be worse than single men and Serious. i started to i started to pick up on this pattern and i got to a point where i was like okay but why is this actually the case and then i realized that there's so many nigerian men who are literally getting married so they know they can tie their wife down at home and get on with their lives and do whatever, whatever they want to. Like, I have married friends that are guys that literally tell me and try and convince me to believe that there is nothing wrong with them being married and having a girlfriend. 
right? Mm. And I'm just like, um, okay, what is your what is your what is your basis of feeling that way or saying that? And the answers I get are actually ridiculous. I, one of them told me that in this Lagos, imagine you're sitting in traffic all day, blah, 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 blah. You're trying to provide. You're trying to make sure your wife is okay. You're trying to make sure your child is okay. Everything like that. You need a release. You need a release. <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, huh? So <laughs> your wife can't be your release again. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. So yeah, I think we do have very flawed... Um, mindsets when it comes to marriage but i still i still somehow believe in marriage um i think i think i like the way it's seen in islam yeah as a partnership and not necessarily as a whole big thing you know um i think it's that spiritual connection that's exactly. most important because if you don't have that connection then if your spirits don't connect, then your spirits cannot stay intertwined for the rest of your life, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. So I don't see how any relationship can work without a strong spiritual connection. Yeah. And also, I feel like as well, before you enter a relationship, like, a, like you know the way you're tied down in your marriage in terms of if you get legally married and you mm. have all of these legal responsibilities, there's so many people that will enter marriages with people that they don't actually know. Mm-hmm. Like you'll marry somebody and you think the, the face that they've given you up until the stage where they can capture you mm-hmm. has been a different face from how they really are. It's only mm-hmm. when you move in with the person and you live with the person and you have all of these kind of negative experiences with the person, then you realize that, wow, the person that I thought I was marrying is completely different from the person mm-hmm. that I've married. So in Absolutely. that case, by the time you've already spent how many millions on your wedding and photography and this and that and signed all these legal documents, and then when you want to now leave the situation, you can't. And then the societal pressure and the stigma around mm-hmm. getting divorced around, like some things just don't work out. Sometimes you just mm-hmm. need to part ways and find a new partner. And Absolutely. I don't know. I think also, I think also comes from the fact that a lot of people don't, a lot of people don't realize what is cultural and what is religious, right? So a lot of these problems that we face in society when it comes to how we go about divorce, how we do all these things, all of that is cultural, right? Mm -hmm. Because what is religious is the underlying message in the gospel that you have chosen, for example, right, Mm -hmm. Briggs? So I feel like we need to also be able to identify cultural from religious, Yeah. yeah? And that takes me back to what I was saying about Samina Ali and the TEDx talk that I watched. Because I didn't watch that, so yeah, because she was basically she was speaking about um, Islam and the so-called oppression of women, which of course is a huge fallacy because Islam does not oppress women. Mm -hmm. And she was trying to explain to people that first of all, the so-called quote-unquote hijab, which it's not actually called in the Quran, because hijab translated in Arabic actually means to barricade or to isolate is actually cultural and not religious. You know, Mm. she was explaining to people that the Quran only speaks on a woman's dressing three times. And in all of those three times, all it really says is dress for your environment, right? So she was saying, you know, so she was like, as a Muslim woman living in America today, I'm standing on stage wearing jeans and a t-shirt and I'm dressing for my environment because quite frankly, if I was wearing a veil right now, I would be even more vulnerable Mm. than I would be the way I am. So she was trying to then explain the history of the veil to people and how it came about and how 
um, female slaves were getting raped and sexually abused in a particular community back in the day. And then the community took the problem to Prophet Muhammad. And basically, rich women in that community were wearing veils, right? Because that's the only way. Because this would happen when they'd go out at night to pee and stuff mm. in the bush. So they'd be covered in veils, right? And they're going out and stuff. So people knew, men knew not to touch them because they came from prominent homes. But women that were slaves were going out naked and they were getting abused. Mm. So the community took this problem to Prophet Muhammad and Prophet Muhammad then in return said that from now on, every woman is allowed to wear the veil, right? Mm. And she's like, that is where it stems from to even begin with. So it's it never even came in to any Islamic culture as a form of oppression, but as a form of protection. Mm -hmm. So if you put your two cents together, you realize that the gospel wants you to be protected in your clothing at all points in time. So what exactly does that mean? And that's when she went to the point of being in America and wearing jeans and a t-shirt, right? So I feel like even when it comes to the dressing of a woman in Islam, a lot of the things that we discuss and speak about are cultural. They are not religious because yeah. even the word hijab is wrong. Yeah, it's, it's for context. And what's interesting is that in the Quran, when, when hijab is spoken about, it's spoken about in reference to men and women. Mm. So men also have a hijab. Mm -hmm. Like men should also have a means of conducting themselves that's mm -hmm. modest and also have a way of interacting with mm -hmm. society and stuff. So it's both ways. And cultural manifestations of Islam differ from place to place. And mm. that's, I think that's part of the beauty of it, that it's flexible, mm. that you should know, but you should be able to study, as you said, the difference between the religion and the cultural aspect. And once you know what the spirit is behind the law, then you can manifest that spirit in all times. So it's like, for example, the whole thing, like a famous thing about Sharia law, for example, mm. is cutting of the hand. People say, oh, they cut the hands of the thief and da 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 during the time of um, Omar bin al-Khattab, who was the second um, mm. successor of the Prophet Muhammad, like, there was a drought. Mm. So people were stealing left, right, and center because they needed to eat to survive. So he lifted that punishment. He said, we can't be chopping everybody's hand when there's a drought because mm. people are not stealing out of greed. They're stealing mm. out of necessity because they can't eat. Mm. So it shows you that the laws can be adapted and changed mm. and flexible as long as you're maintaining the spirit. So why have they carried that particular law into Sharia law across the world today? It's context. It's like context. Because it's not only it's not every country that mm. that um that applies it. And even in certain countries, like they have what within Islamic law there's a concept called Makasid, which is like looking at the roots of why the law is in place. So, like, law is there to protect life, it's pro there to protect honor, it's there mm -hmm. to protect wealth, it's there to protect family. Mm -hmm. So any law that contributes to those means, like those aims, can be mm -hmm. considered as Sharia law. So it's different interpretations. And the thing is, people don't reinterpret law according to the mm -hmm. time. Like, the law, the way it was in the time of the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam, was completely different from how it was in the 10th century mm -hmm. in Spain because they had a different social context. So they studied the Quran, they studied the hadith, they studied like the sunnah and then they said, okay, how can we apply this in our current society? Mm -hmm. But since about the 14th, 15th century, the law hasn't been reinterpreted. Mm -hmm. So now there are scholars who are looking to reinterpret it for the 21st century because you have situations that are happening now that have never existed previously in history. Mm -hmm. So then you need to reevaluate the law, not to change it because there's certain things that can't be changed in terms of mm -hmm. like 
prayer and going to Mecca and all these things. But in terms of things that have a difference of opinion practical or things, things that can be, yeah, practical mm. things that can be changed or adapted, you need to look at what's best for your environment and your time mm. and your culture. Like there's also a concept in Islam called Urf, like what's the custom of the people mm. where you are. There's things you can do in India that you can't do in Nigeria mm-hmm. or you can do in Nigeria that you can't do in the UK. Mm-hmm. So we need like qualified scholars to kind of go through all of this stuff and then reinterpret it. And then also people to just look at what is the spirit behind the law and try and follow that because if you're if you're following the spirit of mercy the spirit of tolerance the spirit of you know love then you'll be able to live your life in a way that you're not kind of oppressing people but yeah we have to wrap up the combo but before i let you go there's some myths we are going to dispel okay let's try let's try what does the quran say Mm-hmm. It should happen to a man mm. if he cheats on his wife. Ha! Death penalty. You have heard. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. Men. <laughs> Are you hearing? <laughs> death penalty. Yeah, some interpretations they say death penalty. Yeah. Okay, and then the most original. Yeah, yeah, death penalty. Yeah. <laughs> Have you yeah, ever cheated? No. Okay, my cousin's like, no, he's the expert. Bring him in. Bring That's him in because he's probably <laughs> cheated. Come, come, come. That's because he's probably come, cheated come, enough come. times that he's come, like, come, nah, come. Kind of he's the legal me. expert. Come. No, seriously. Come, come, come. I'm joking. Come. Wait, so death penalty no, is. No, death penalty for what? For cheating. A man cheating? Yeah. As in you're married and then you have seen that outside. Oh, okay. See, I thought you meant like talking. There's levels to cheating, no? Oh my god. (laughs) So the way cheating. (laughs) Okay, cheating can be like having sex, obviously. So now there's one extreme. Of course there is. A text message to another woman is cheating. So physical cheating, emotional cheating. Exactly. What do you mean by cheating? What do I mean by cheating? A disloyalty towards your partner. What do you mean by disloyalty? Because a man can have four wives in Islam. No, a man can have four wives, but a man must also seek permission from his first no, wife he if he have. wants to marry again. No, yes, no. the Quran says that. The Quran does not say yes, that. Yes, does the Quran say that? Ah. A man <laughs> must get permission. A man must. You know, I'm studying Islamic law. For yes, time, yeah? he said. So, but what I'm saying. So. No, okay, wait. I'm getting it up on Google now. We are going to go to the <laughs> exact... permission where bricks. Wait, no, no, are you serious? Islam says... I'm sorry, but there's nothing about seeking permission. Islam says that if a man See, wants when, to marry you know, a second in, wife... Whenever someone says, Islam says, you know mm-hmm. they're wrong. Oh, wow. Because there's difference of opinion on everything. Okay, so if a man... Wait, I'm typing it in on Safari right now. If a man wants to marry a if second a, if, if a man has married a woman and she's in, put in her marriage yes. contract condition that you can't marry another woman alongside me, then he has to seek permission. But if she hasn't specified, then there's, there's no, no specific Sorry. there's no specification. So just make I'm sure when you if you buy a Muslim guy, way. make sure I'm you just wait, saying wait. that is what the the rule says. So your wife has I, to have I, I specified. Would always, yeah. I would always advise Wait, to a man. I would always advise to a man. Sorry, Leila. I would always advise, yeah. advise to a man mm-hmm. that he should seek permission. Yeah. Well, not permission, but he should tell her. Inform. He should inform mm-hmm. her. He should inform her. Mm-hmm. But uh, permission. Though Islam permits man to have more than a wife, it stipulates that certain conditions are to be met in this regard. But Islam's main focus is on building a stable marital life. Where's that from? If a man is able to take that, a second that, wife physically and financially and he can treat both wives in a just manner and he wants to, then he is allowed to do so according to Islam. Allah says, then marry other women of your choice, two, three, or four. 
It is well known that women are by nature jealous. Oh my god, I oh, can't see? believe what see? I'm reading. I don't, I don't so I don't agree with that. Uh, what am I reading? Exactly. Yeah, but you have to get the permission of your wife. Okay, right? yeah, yeah, explain okay, the rulings. So you know. So the Quran says, marry them in two, threes, and fours, mm-hmm. yeah? And if you cannot be just, you marry just one, mm-hmm. yeah? So the condition, only condition that Allah places, the only condition that God places is to be just, mm. yeah? So that's the condition now. Mm. If you can be just, then yes, in Islam, you can marry up to four wives. Mm. Cool. Now, in the marriage contract, so me, Muhammad Tal, is getting married to Layla. Mm. In your contract, you say to me, you have two different options. Mm. Mamadou, you cannot get married to anyone else. Mm-hmm. If I agree to that, that's binding upon me mm-hmm. in some schools of law. Or you can say, or you don't say anything, and then it's up to me then. Or you can say, if you want to get, you can also put in your contract, if you want to have a second wife, you must consult me first. Mm. Then, in some schools of laws, it's binding upon me as well. Mm. So, so, so it's in the woman's court. You see it there? Okay. Interesting. Either way... Would you actually ever look at marrying another woman? Me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, nah, the option's there, but at the moment, at the moment, I wouldn't, to be honest. Right now, I wouldn't. Wait, wait, but... Sorry, but I you just never need know. to get life, my head around is... something. What would make you want to have a second wife? Like, what would you be trying to achieve by having a second wife? When it, if it happens, I'll let you know, innit? I can't think of it now because I'm not trying to do it now. But there's loads of different options. Like some people marry, for example, to support widows, to support women that they that need finan- like financial support or emotional support. Some people marry. People marry for different reasons. And they marry second wives, third wives for different reasons. Some women also, they don't have the time to marry a full, to be a full-time wife. Like, I, yesterday, just yesterday even, we were talking to some women, mm. and they were saying, in this Lagos, they were saying that, ah, I wouldn't mind being a second wife, or I'd love to enter a marriage as a second wife, or have a co-wife, just so that I can split the time that I have to spend with my husband with somebody else. Because... I don't have the time. I'm a busy woman. I'm a businesswoman. I have my company. But I have my job. But why is that job. an obligation? The time <clears throat> that you have to spend with your husband. What about the time your husband should be spending with you? But maybe they don't want to spend all that time with their husband. Yeah, they but just why want should there be someone that will come in for two days time? and is go away written? for two days, come back two days is later? It <laughs> is it written that you must spend X amount of time with your husband? Everybody and their spec. Some people want all the time. Exactly. Some people so want it just share. depends Some on your marriage, yeah, right? Exactly. That's why I think it's flexible. So mm. marriage is what you make it and it's how you approach it. Mm. There's like a rough circle and then how you enter it and how you figure out if you're going to share your husband with somebody else mm. or if you're going to have your husband to yourself. That's all up to you. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Briggs, you know what? Mm. You busted my brain today. <laughs> <laughs> More than I thought my brain was going to be busted. So basically... You can actually marry up to four wives yeah. without seeking permission. Ah, if you like your life, you should seek permission. There you go. There will be no five minutes with Layla this week. Um, but of course, five minutes with Layla is coming back next week. Um, yeah, thank you all for tuning in. I'm really excited um, or rather happy that we did this episode. I yeah. feel like there's a lot to discuss when it comes to Islam. Islam is such a peaceful and beautiful religion. And if only we all took out some time to understand it more, um, the world would be a better place. It's like someone said to me the other day, but yeah, the Quran is in Arabic, so it's not that applicable. I said, 
The only reason the Quran is in Arabic is because Angel Gabriel revealed the word of God to an Arabic man. Mm. So it was written in Arabic and it is translated in so many different languages. For example, my copy of the Quran is in English. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't even, I don't think there's any excuse. Really. I even saw a Yoruba Quran recently. There you go. Mm. You see? So the same way you can get the Bible in so many different languages is the same way you can get the Quran in so many different languages. So please do not limit your minds. And yeah, so when next are you coming back to Lagos? Uh, again in December. Okay, Hopefully, cool. Yeah. Every December I want to be here. Just once a year. So summer that's the most well, I'm going to see of you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> if I go fit summer in, then I'll fit summer in. But you know, yeah. we'll see. We'll Fair see. enough. Just bring your wife. I want to meet her. Yeah, yeah. No, next yeah. time definitely she's coming along. Mad. Okay, everyone. So thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Broken Record Podcast. Thank you as well to Mustafa Briggs for coming through and you know saying a lot thank you for having <laughs> doing me. what he does best <laughs> so of course another me. episode is dropping next week so stay tuned and i will be back thanks <laughs> <laughs>